You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Talking About podcast. I am Sean Kennedy, and we have an international episode for you today. Rejoining me on the pod for the first time, I believe in 2022, but he's been on the pod before, is Liberty Baller's own Tom West, joining us from the UK. Tom, how are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of a a dead, dead zone in the NBA cycle right now, so... In addition to getting your thoughts on how the Sixers offseason has transpired so far, we've gathered a few listener questions that we're going to use as jumping off points to, to talk about everything going on with the team right now and where they are heading into the 2022-23 season. So yeah, let's get started with that right away. And um, our first question is from uh, DGen Dan, uh, Danny underscore Gambles on Twitter. He says... I think it's undeniable that this roster is better than last year, especially in terms of bench depth. That's all well and good, but in my opinion, they are still not in the stratosphere of the Bucs and Celtics of the conference. Please tell me I'm wrong. Um, So, Tom, before we get into that second kind of question slash point from from Dan here, um, he mentions the the bench depth and he thinks the roster is undeniably better than last year. Um, so I guess I'll ask you, do you agree with that? And what, what's your overall opinion of the the moves that Daryl made this offseason and, and where you think the roster stacks up compared to the previous edition? Yeah, no, I do agree with that. And I think overall it's been a very good offseason for them. Um, I, I think I really like all their moves. Um, PJ Tucker, I think at the price point they got him for is a little pricey. Um, paying him, you know, 10 plus million a year at that age, fully guaranteed until he's 40 um, isn't ideal, but I think for the player he is and how good he is right now, I think he does quite a lot of things that the Sixers were missing last year, just kind of his physicality, rebounding, um, very switchy physical defense, um, good corner shooting uh, from three. I think, you know, giving them another sort of small ball center option, takes um, a lot of boxes for them, even if he's going to be a bit expensive sort of later on in the contract. And I think coming off such a good season for Miami, um, you can definitely have a lot of faith in him helping the Sixers a lot. Daniel House, I wrote about um, fairly recently, I think is a, a really solid addition, you know, for a few million a year. Um, very, very good defender with the Jazz last season. He sort of upped his game a little bit there, had a really nice run with them to end the season. Pretty solid three-point shooter. Obviously, really good history with you know Daryl Morey and James Harden. So I think he'll fit in well. And then DeAnthony Melton, I think, was a really good value signing. Uh, sorry, trade acquisition. Um, you know, getting him for sort of Danny Green's contract essentially in a first-round pick is 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 really good value. Um, we'll get on you know a little bit later about how he can sort of help them and some of the stuff that will unlock. But I really like what he can bring. 
as well. So, yeah, I think overall they've kind of addressed their perimeter defense a bit. They've shrilled things up a little bit. They've added a few kind of two-way options. Um, you know, PJ Tucker is limited offensively, but he can shoot from the corners, like I said. So I think they've kind of balanced the roster out, added some depth, and, you know, they've not added any kind of star-level talent, but I think they've made some solid additions that kind of help smooth out the roster and address some of the weaknesses they did have. So, yeah, all in all, very strong offseason, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like that's the consensus. So I, I certainly agree with you. I think in addition to you talked about everything they bring, just the fact that all of their additions are great two-way players, like there's no one that has noticeable holes in their game on either side of the court. I think that should really benefit them come playoff time um, when game plans get narrowed and, and teams really are able to exploit any hole in an opposing team's roster. Like, like, they don't as much in the regular season. Um, so we've seen in years past where, you know, Matisse Seibel kind of becomes somewhat unplayable in the postseason because his, his offensive liabilities teams just lay off him, sag in the paint. And he, despite everything he brings on the defensive end that, you know, that really becomes untenable with what he doesn't bring on the offensive end. Um, ben Simmons, there were problems with him as, as, great a player as, as he was for the Sixers in large part. Um, the fact that he was kind of just stuck in the dunker spot on offense a lot of times, that was a problem. And then on the other end, um, we've seen in past years, great shooters, great offensive players like J.J. Redick, Seth Curry, who were vital to the team's offensive success, but there were times that opposing teams would hunt them in pick and rolls and everything on the other end of the court, and that really, really hurt the, the Sixers as well in those areas. So I, I think just the fact that They've kind of brought in guys who, you know, not stars on either end of the court, but just solid players who teams have to account for or can't pick on in terms of defense. Uh, I think that'll really benefit the Sixers. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree that the bench depth is great. Um, and you, you mentioned Tucker and maybe that was the one that was a bit of an overpay. I, I don't feel like the, the dollar value is a concern as much. Maybe maybe the three year is where you, yeah. you really might have concerns given his age and everything. And he'd be 40 years old if he was still, he has a player option for his third year. So if, if he did remain with the team, he'd be in his age 40 season. So that's a bit concerning, but you know, we also hear reports of the, the cap, the overall salary cap for the league is expected to like shoot up and, you know, who knows what the landscape's going to look like in a couple of years where maybe the $10 million a year deal is just like a drop in the bucket and you don't even really consider it too much. So yeah, I, I think they, they kind of did what they had to do to improve the roster and they're in a win now mode. So um, I, I feel like th these were what they had to do to get it done. So they just, they, they went out and got it done. Um, so yeah. All right. So we, we agree that they're, they're better in terms of bench depth. Um, so let's get to the, the second part of our listeners question. Um, he contends they're still not in the stratosphere of the Bucks and Celtics. Uh, so I guess, would you agree with that? Is, is this, would you place the Sixers third in the pecking order in the East? Would you have them farther down? And how, how big of a divide do you feel there is? And, and what, what do you think the expectations should be for this team in terms of like coming out of the East? I think, I mean, I'm not set on, you know, my exact sort of win predictions for the Eastern conference, but I think if we're talking tiers of contention, I think the Celtic, the Sixers are at least on the same tier as the Bucks to me. Um, I think they're close enough that you could call them in the same tier. Like the Bucks have obviously still very, very good. 
Um, you know, they've been together a long time, so I think the longevity that they have definitely gives them an advantage in the regular season to just sort of work with their formula that works well, you know, their defensive coverages, their drop coverage, you know, now that Brick Lopez is back. Um, they've been very good whenever they're sort of big three of obviously Yanis, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday is healthy and together. Um, I still think they could be better than the Sixers next season, but I definitely think the Sixers have a chance to overtake them now. I think um, just for the kind of reasons we've talked about, like the Sixers have added significant depth this off season. Um, they have better defensive options now. They have way better lineup versatility than they had last season, which I think is really important. Um, just having guys like PJ Tucker, Deontay Melton, Daniel House, guys that can come in, switch up and down a bit. Um, Sixers can maintain more size on the wing now. They can uh, be more switchy defensively. Um, they just kind of have more options at their disposal. Like you mentioned, two-way players who can't get picked on in the playoffs, like the Sixers' playoff rotation is going to be noticeably better just because they don't have as many you know, one-way options that they kind of have to play now. Like Matisse Thibault doesn't need to play in playoff games if he, if he can't do anything offensively. George Niang doesn't need to play now if he's going to get picked on defensively. So that balances things out a lot. Um, the offense was incredible when Embiid and Harden were together last season. Um, so I think the Sixers can build on that, have more, you know, benefit from Harden and Embiid having kind of an off season together, a full season uh, from the get go. Um, I, I think Tyrese Maxey will probably be even a little bit better again next year. He just develops it all the time and expands his game. Um, it really, ultimately, I think a lot of it just depends on how good Harden is. You know, is he as healthy and kind of nimble as he was at his best of times last season? Is he not quite as good as Sixers fans hope? Is he maybe a little more athletic? Is he a bit more spry? You know, does he benefit from having a full off season where we've heard, you know, reports that he's kind of really taken his conditioning seriously and, you know, starting his training earlier? Um, if he benefits from that and having kind of more time being removed from his hamstring issues, is he even better next season? If he is, I think the Sixers could be better than the Bucks, And I'd say they probably are. It's more, I think they're still a tier below the Celtics just because of how... You know, obviously, great. The Celtics were making their finals run. Um, their defense is incredible. Their depth is seriously good. Um, they got Malcolm Brogdon, you know, this offseason already for barely anything, which gives them another kind of big guard who can play on ball, off ball, fit in around their stars, switch on defense, kind of do everything they, they need from a complementary player who can handle it as well and give them more playmaking, which they could benefit from. Um, I, you know, we've heard reports that apparently the Celtics are also a real threat to trade for Kevin Durant. I don't know if that's actually going to happen or not. But obviously, if they get KD, then that makes them even more scary. But I'd say right now, I'd probably estimate Celtics one, maybe Sixers two, Bucks three out of those. I don't know how you'd rank them. Yeah, I think I would have the Sixers third. Um, I agree. Mm. The Celtics are a pretty clear favorite. They, they reached the finals last year. They've gotten... They didn't lose any key rotation members. They added Brogdon, as, as you mentioned, who, you know, not, not an all-star, but just that tier below being an all-star player. Uh, so his only concern has been health in recent years. But yeah, should p fit perfectly with that roster for all the, t the reasons you mentioned. Um, Gallinari was a good, like, end of the bench depth piece that'll that'll help them probably more so in the regular season than, than being in a playoff rotation. Um, but so, yeah, I, I think... Boston with you know Tatum and Brown who are still mid twenties should still be ascending in terms of their 
their age curve and their and should only be better going forward. Uh, yeah, I have no problem saying they should be the legitimate favorite out of the East. Uh, the the Bucks. I mean, they took Boston to seven games last year without Chris Middleton. You know, their second. I, I mean, if you want to quibble between him and Drew, but I'll I'll call him his their second best player. Um, and they were the, the the champs the year before. So still, no one on their main core of the rotation is like over the hill or anything. They're all pretty solidly, at least in their prime. Um, so we, if the Middleton injury doesn't happen last year, we could be looking at a situation where like the Bucks are back-to-back champions and discussing like, are they going to be establishing a new dynasty? Uh, I don't think that's too like far out of the question. Um, so yeah, I think the Bucks are pretty solidly too, in my mind. Um, the Sixers, I, I would put above the Heat, but just because I feel like the Heat lost Tucker, who obviously joined the Sixers, so that's a pretty big swing in terms of losing a starter and gaining a starter between those two teams. Um, the Heat don't have, besides like Tyler Hero, they don't have guys that are super young and you'd expect a, a ton of growth in their games. Um, whereas the Sixers have Maxi, who you mentioned is the 1% better guy and continues to astonish us with how he improves from season to season. So whether he makes another leap this year and is like a no doubt about it all-star this year, I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. We'll, we'll see. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think it all kind of hinges on on Harden, as you, as you discussed. And is he Brooklyn all-star version of Harden? or or and And do the improvements he's made in his diet and workout regimen and all that allow him to, to maintain that for, you know, 65, 70 games this season and, and remain reasonably healthy. Um, if, if so, I think the Sixers are solidly third in the East. Um, if, if not, and he's like kind of a shell of himself and what we saw in glimpses during last postseason, then yeah, I think there's a, a case to be made that are like fourth or fifth in the East. But I, I think that the, the that getting back to the main crux of the question, they're not like so far below the Bucks or the Celtics that they wouldn't have a chance. I think if everyone was healthy, yeah, Milwaukee or Boston would probably beat the Sixers in a second seven game series. But you know, maybe maybe Embiid is just like unstoppable for a week, or or maybe it, like last year Milwaukee has an injury to Middleton, suddenly they're they're beatable. Like it, it always comes down to luck and talent in the postseason. So the Sixers aren't so far behind in talent that it's out of the question that they could emerge. Um, are they the favorites? No, but they made themselves better this season and they still have some flexibility moving forward. They can make add another piece, uh, you know, if not this off season, then around the trade deadline. So it, it, you know, they, they did what they were able to do. And I think they've improved and they're, they're in the running. I, so are they favorites? No, but are they a team that could realistically come out of the East? Absolutely. So I think it's a good spot to be in. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think like you said, I think even if you put the box ahead of the Sixers right now, which is completely fair. Um, and yeah, I'd kind of agree with you that uh, they're, they're very close, but I do think you could call them in the same tier. I don't think, you know, like you said, that even if you favor the Bucks over the Sixers, I don't think there's some massive um sort of leap ahead of them in terms of quality. I think it really, for me, it just hinges on how good Harden is. Like if he's, you know, like you mentioned, kind of all-star James Harden again, um, and the new additions all play as well as we think, and the Sixers kind of benefit from all that depth and extra defense. I do think they have the potential to be 
better than the Bucks if Harden is that good and you know Maxi improves again. Um, if Embiid is actually healthy for a full playoff run, which would be a nice change. Um, but yeah, it just kind of depends on those ifs at the moment. So it's kind of hard to project. But for me, at least, yeah, it's only really the Celtics where I'd say they're in a clear tier ahead. But even if, you know, if we get a playoff series with the Sixers against those teams, they at least have a chance. Um, and I could I could see a scenario where they do get past the box, potentially, if, you know, everything goes right. I don't think it's unthinkable that the Sixers, you know, have a good chance in that situation. But yeah, we'll see, we'll see how it all plays out. And hopefully we do get to see Harden kind of, yeah, up his game after what is apparently uh, being a good offseason for him so far. Yep, and and the vibes are great. The team chemistry is off the charts. So, yeah, we'll just see see how it goes. But everything's trending up as of now. So, all right, Dan, thank you for that question. Um, we're going to get to our next question, which is from Francis Parker at Francis Zomes on Twitter. He asks, if the roster is complete, how would you divide up the forward minutes? So we, as we mentioned, they they added PJ Tucker, they added Daniel House, who's I guess we can consider him a small forward for the purposes of this question. Um, Tom, Tom, where would you slot everyone else in the in the forward rotation? So yeah, I mean, you've obviously got Harris, PJ Tucker are going to be starting. I think Harris is probably going to average kind of similar minutes to last season, around thirty-four. Um, Tucker, I could see probably in the high 20s. I think if he plays maybe 25-ish minutes at the forward spot, you know, mainly at the four, and then you maybe see him kind of depending on matchups, maybe getting sort of five, five to 10 minutes at centre. If you do, you know, put him in as a kind of small ball centre on any given night, depending on who they're playing. Um, and then I think you kind of move in with House, I'd say, as the sort of third forward in my mind right now, I think... I could see him probably playing like sort of 15 to 20 minutes a night. Thibault, I could see being one of the sort of main losers of the additions this offseason. I just think with his him still being a sort of complete zero on offense, I just can't see him being able to sort of continue his same kind of level of production and minutes as last season. Um, I think him going down to more like 10 to 15 minutes on any given night is going to be far more common. Um, just because you can't count on the shooting. And we know Doc always favours veterans anyway. You know, he's got some guys that he can trust now with House and PJ Tucker. Um, Niang as well, I think, is probably going to drop in minutes. You know, he I think he averaged about just under 23 minutes last season, but I'd say going closer to 10 to 15 is probably reasonable. I think, you know, like we touched on a little bit earlier, I think come playoffs, I think, you know, I think there'll just be games where he just doesn't play just because you can't count on him defensively, like his feet just aren't quick enough and they have better options now. Um, and then I'd also probably sprinkle in a little bit of Melton, uh, D'Anthony Melton at the three. Um, he's obviously only about 6'3", but he's got that big six foot eight wingspan. Um, he's quite strong. He's a very quick physical defender. He can switch up and guard uh, some threes quite well. Um, he's more than capable of doing that. So I think, you know, on any given night, depending on the matchups, you know, five to 10 minutes of him kind of moving up at the three, I think is reasonable as well. So yeah, like I mentioned, I think just the Sixers new lineup versatility with some of their new guys is what's most interesting to me. So I think on any given night, depending on the matchup, things can change, but that's kind of how I'd peg the guys as of now, like Harrison Tucker is the main ones. Um, and then House and Melton sort of as the sort of second two forwards, um, you know, Melton benefiting with a little bit of play at the three and then Niang and Thibault probably seeing their minutes go down quite a bit. 
Okay, so you, you took a, a little bit different tack. I kind of looked at this just for the regular season. So mm. I feel like in terms, especially with Tucker, they're not going to push him as hard as even Miami did last year. And I feel like Tucker probably settles in at more around 24 minutes a game mm-hmm. just because, you know, he's getting up there in age. It's a long haul during the regular season. You don't, you don't want him to lose his legs. Um, I, I don't think they'll do as much of the Tucker at small ball center during the regular season. I think that's probably something they save more for the postseason when the rotation drops to like seven, eight guys. Um, what you'll definitely see that some because they'll want to yeah. try it out and get different combinations and get, get a look at what will work best. But I don't feel like that's going to be like a, a thing they turn to every game. Um, so I had him at 24 minutes. Harris, I feel like they just put such a, a, a load on him year in, year out. And he's so durable. I, I feel like maybe they just dial it back. So I had him at 33 minutes um, just to try to keep him a little fresher. They have the depth now where they don't need to run him into the ground as much as they did in past years. Um, so I have him at 33. Niang, I have at the complimentary 15 minutes a game, just kind of more of as a pure backup to Toby. Whereas last year, they they just didn't have a lot of guys. So they were playing like Tobias at the three and with Niang, they played, they tried the, the Harris Niang four or five small front court sometimes. I don't think we see that as much anymore because they have other better options now. So I feel like Niang is more of a like strictly Tobias backup this year. Um, house, yeah, 20, around 20 minutes a game for house, I think is about right, as you mentioned. So that leaves around four minutes for the 10th man spot, whether it's Seibel, whether it's Korkmaz. Um, and this kind of speaks to the, uh, the improvement of the roster where, you know, Seibel was like, what, sixth, seventh man, maybe last year. And now he's, I mean, he was a starter for most of the year, but even in terms of like, just the rotation and everything. He he was probably sixth or seventh guy. Um, so now he's like in the running for, to maybe be the tenth man in the rotation. Uh, that's that's a big swing in terms of the roster outlook. Um, so whoever that tenth guy is going to get that those remaining like four to five minutes at the forward spot. And obviously they're going to play a little bit more than four to five minutes. But if you want to say like oh Thibel's in with House as as the wings, one of them is going to be the two. But you know whatever. As in terms of the for, the forwards, that's what we're looking at. And then, yeah, as you said, you have Melton, who it, it'll be really interesting to see a uh, Maxi Harden Melton lineup. Um, it's not ideal in terms of defense; it's a little undersized, but they would definitely wreck a, t- a ton of havoc, and uh, it'd be a really fast lineup. You'd like to see them get up and down the court with Harden making those amazing outlet passes to Maxi and Melton streaking down court. Um, Will we see that as much during the regular season? Again, maybe not as much. Um, I think that's more of a a postseason, the uh, the the rotation condenses kind of thing. But yeah, we'll definitely see that in flashes. But um, for the purposes of this exercise, I kind of called Melton strictly a guard in terms of the minutes allocation. But yeah, I think I think we covered everything. Uh, that's that's basically what we're looking at in terms of the rotation. Um, Niang will definitely get fewer minutes because they have better options. Um, and yeah, Thibel or the, the holdover guys like Thibel, Korkmaz are not going to see the court nearly as much because of the, the Tucker house. And if you want to call Melton of getting some forward minutes as a three, like that's just a, a talent upgrade. So yeah, that's, that's what we're looking at. A lot, a lot better outlook than last season in, in 
terms of the forward rotation for sure. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so thank you, Francis, for that question. Um, our next one is from Kareel Palatnik at KMAX732 on Twitter. He asks, is Tobias Harris still on the team at the end of the season? I can't imagine he will be happy in a further diminished role. Plus, he doesn't fit with how the rest of the team is built. So everybody has thoughts on Tobias. He's one of the more polarizing figures on the team just because of the contract and I don't know. I, I feel like he made a lot of great strides towards the end of the season, especially fitting in with Harden. Um, he was one of their best defensive players. He was their kind of their wing stopper in the playoffs. Um, I don't know. I, I don't really see any scenario where he is gone from the team. Uh, I, I think he will still be here by the end of the season. Um, Tom, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I just don't really see him not being on the on the team, I think he's staying put. Um, I, you know, like you said, I know it's, it's been a popular thing to kind of talk about Tobias trades for a long time now, for years really. Um, the Eric Gordon thing has still been talked about a bit recently, but I just don't see any way that happens now. Um, I'm sure the Rockets are going to get better offers, even if they do want to move Gordon. Um, and I think there was a much better chance of that happening kind of before the draft when the Sixers still had Danny Green's contract to kind of use to fill out um, salary-wise and they still had an f- extra first-round pick from this year to offer. Um, I just think Tobias is is too good for a, a salary dump move. Like the Sixers are, it's going to be hard for them to replace Tobias with more helpful players. Um, he's still good. You know, he was very good uh, for the most part, after the team added Harden as well, like he got into, he embraced his new role well. He was taking more threes. He was being a bit more decisive. He really upped his defense too. Like you mentioned, he was kind of the team's go-to wing stopper, essentially, kind of playing a large role. You know, in that regard, in the playoffs, you know, he was so good in the Raptors series, especially. He did a great job against uh, Siakam in particular defensively. Um, so I just don't see the Sixers finding a way to upgrade on the court. Um, by trading Tobias now, I think 
if anything, moving him next summer, next offseason would be more reasonable just when there's one, only one year left on his contract and a team might be able to kind of talk themselves into trading for him and not being as worried about how much um, they're giving up or, you know, maybe giving the Sixers something a bit more reasonable if they don't have to worry about paying Tobias as long. But for now, yeah, I just don't see any way he's really getting moved. Yeah, I think next offseason is maybe the the first time we can real, realistically start talking about it again. Um, as you mentioned, he'll be an expiring. Teams might have contracts they want to move off of. And if the Sixers are in a position where they can add a couple helpful rotation pieces for Tobias, they, they might be willing to do that. So they certainly shopped him this offseason, but given he had the he has the two years currently on his deal, teams just weren't willing to give up helpful pieces without the Sixers just overloading with draft compensation or anything else. So they weren't going to just dump him. He's still a top 60-ish player in the league. He he was very, you can make the argument, he was their best player during the Toronto series last postseason. Um, so he's still a really helpful player and you're all in to win the title this season. And you're not getting anything back in a Tobias trade right now that makes you better on the court. So yeah, you could, you're saying Houston might not even want to do an Eric Gordon trade that involved Tobias because they wouldn't want to take on the extra year of money. But say they did. Are you a better team if you're Philadelphia with Eric Gordon than Tobias Harris? I don't think so. I think Tobias is clearly a much better player and Gordon might be a slightly better fit, but then you you wouldn't have Harris on the defensive end who did a lot for you last year. So yeah, he's not a good fit uh, because his... His agent and, uh, you know, it, we imagine this came from Tobias, like talked about this offseason, like, oh, I want to be back involved in more pick and rolls. And that's not going to happen because you have James Harden and Tyrese Maxey and you want the offense to still funnel through Embiid. So, yeah, Tobias, you're not going to get the pick and roll touches you want, but he's still much more helpful to the team winning this season than anything they would be able to get back in a trade right now. So. Yeah, he. I don't. I don't think there's any scenario really where he's he's gone by the end of the season. Next off season, yeah, we can pick up this conversation again. But yeah, not not going to happen this season. I don't think so. I think people kind of have to come to terms with that now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, but thank you very much for the question, Kareel. Um, our next one is from Tom West uh, at Tom West NBA. So. We're going to each ask each other a question to, to finish this one out. Tom, you wanted to know what we felt like the uh, the closing lineup would be for the team, the most common closing lineup. Um, and that's just based on what the roster stands at right now, not assuming there's another deal down the line or anything. So um, I guess I'll, I'll answer your question. I feel like it's probably just going to be what the, the presumed starting lineup is right now uh, with, with Tucker alongside Harden, Maxi. Tobias and Embiid. Um, I think Tucker provides enough versatility on both ends that you don't really have to be too worried about being matchup dependent or anything. He's likely going to be their their top like defensive wing type guy for for big postseason matchups. If you're talking about like who's going to guard Jason Tatum, who's going to guard, I, I guess against the Bucks, you, you might want Tucker on Giannis if if Embiid was feeling compelled. To, to guard Giannis. Um, he's done a good job on that in the past, but you might not want to do that for 35 minutes a game. So you, you might put Tucker on him for a, a long periods of time, or you might put him on Middleton, like who knows. But he's going to be guarding Jimmy Butler, which will be interesting uh, 
given their they were teammates last year. Um, so yeah, he's he's going to be the guy that's you know taking that that big role in terms of trying to sh- shut down the opposing you know wing stars on these other contending teams. Um, is it might there be a night where his shot is just like not falling at all from the corners and teams are sagging off him a little bit and you aren't you maybe want to go in a different direction like maybe you want to try Melton um, because he's he's been hot or, or or house has been hitting spot up threes and playing good defense and you want him in that in that spot to close out the game yeah there's probably going to be games where that happens um but i think for the most part this 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 presumed starting unit heading into the year is pretty solid on both ends of the court there's not really like too many too many holes to pick at and um tucker gives you good size versatility like flexibility in terms of defensive matchups i, I feel like they're just going to roll with that more often than not what were your thoughts in asking that, Tom? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I'd agree as well. I think you can mostly just keep it simple and go with Tucker. Um, I am quite high on the idea of Melton as well. I think I definitely think against smaller teams, at least, I think you could go with Melton and, and see an upgrade. I think that gives you more points of attack defense. I think if you're going against a team, you know, where they're more sort of guard heavy rather than forward heavy and their the wings, you know, for instance, they're not a Boston with kind of, you know, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum as their kind of top scorers. I think going with Melton is quite interesting. Like I said, he can guard up against some threes anyway. And I just think with the the kind of athleticism upgrades you get with him, how quick he is getting down the court and just being a much better shooter than PJ Tucker, I think if, you know, teams are kind of, playing a bit of PJ Tucker, seeing as he's only really a threat from the corner, he doesn't really shoot from above the break. I think if you switch to Melton, you get a good shooter from all over the floor, much more comfortable above the break, um, can do a bit more handling the ball. I think if you want to lean a bit more into offense and, and kind of downsize against a smaller team, I think Melton could be a kind of interchangeable closer on any given night, depending on the matchup. But yeah, I agree overall. I think Tucker's probably the the kind of safe bet that Doc is going to trust most often, um, especially against like bigger teams in the playoffs. I think yeah. they'll probably roll safe and go with the regular starters. But yeah, against smaller teams, I, I'm quite interested to see Melton in that spot. Yeah, I, I feel like you're, you're right. There are there are certain matchups where you would absolutely want to roll the dice, and yeah, you'd be a little undersized, but the speed and offensive firepower would be enticing. Um, Doc, Doc going away from the 37 year old that uh, the team kind of like rearranged everything to bring him into the fold uh, in terms of like Harden takes this huge pay cut. So Tucker could, could come like Embiid was very vocal. Like Tucker was a guy he wanted in here. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't really see them moving away from that um, for, for those reasons as well as the fact that I think Tucker is maybe the best option, but yeah, I, I think we will see some games where Melton closes out and, you know, throughout the regular season, guys will be, we'll set a gamer here. There'll be injuries. Like we'll, we'll get to see different things. So, um, but yeah, if in a vacuum, I think it's probably Tucker for the most part. Um, all right. But yeah, good, good question, Tom. Um, it's, it's nice that uh, we don't have to worry about is George and Yang really one of the best five options to be in the closing <laughs> lineup. Like, like last year, like love the minivan. He's, he's a great, great personality and guy. And, uh, he, he, he had some great games for the team, um, but yeah, he shouldn't be part of your playoff closing lineup for sure. So that was, that was a problem. Um, all right. So I had, I had one question to end it. Um, I'm at Philly fast break on Twitter. Um, Tom, do you think there's any value in getting kind of like an innings eater 
backup five option. Um, we talk about this in the Slack a lot, and a name that people have thrown around is Hassan Whiteside. Um, uh, you know, obviously in past years they had DeAndre Jordan, they had Dwight Howard, um, they had the ill-fated uh, DeAndre Jordan, um, or Andre Drummond. Sorry, so they had Andre Drummond, they had Dwight Howard, um, they had the ill-fated DeAndre Jordan signing last year, and all that entailed. Um, but you know, I could see. Joel Embiid needs to like rest 10 to 15 games a year just for load management. Um, guys are going to get injured. Is, is there value in having, like, we can just say it's Whiteside or, you, you know, free agent center X. Uh, I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? I think there could be a little bit of value. I think it's mainly just for one doc rivers is always going to like veterans, uh, Two, I think, yeah, like you said, if Embiid misses some time or you're just factoring in him having, you know, 10 to 15 rest games, whatever that may be, um, nursing minor injuries through the year, it helps to have another body. But I think overall, and, you know, and partly because I feel like Doc would just play the oldest centre option anyway, I would honestly just like to see the Sixers roll with Paul Reed as their main backup five, um, give PJ Tucker a few small ball minutes, and then ideally see if Charles Bassey can kind of show more of the potential we did earlier last season. Like he had some really promising games when he did get to play earlier in the year. Um, I know he's had a kind of shaky summer league this year, which isn't super encouraging, but if he can kind of bounce back to what he showed earlier last season as kind of your second, you know, center option uh, or third, if you put him behind kind of small ball Tucker minutes, I think that's what I'd prefer to see the Sixers do. I just think Reed was good enough you know, at the very end of the lot, you, the regular season, um, I thought he was really solid in the playoffs as well, considering how little time he had to kind of prepare, get experience, get up to speed before the playoffs started, before he was kind of thrown into that role and, and generally got the nod over DeAndre Jordan. I just think he played really well. Like, he's so agile on the perimeter. You can switch so well with him. Um, he's obviously got some rim protection ability too. Um Finishing was better, did a decent job screening. I think he can be a pretty good roller next to Harden. You know, it's obviously so athletic getting down the floor. Um, you know, he's looked great in summer league as well. I think, you know, when he did play at the start, I think, I just think when you give him a chance to play and, you know, with the work he can put in this offseason, I think he can be even better next year with more experience and minutes under his belt. Um, if you go out and get another veteran big, I'd just be worried for the Sixers that Doc would immediately default to that option. And then Paul Reed doesn't get the fair chance he deserves after being a genuinely solid backup big in the playoffs. So I think, yes, there is a little bit of value in adding another option for when you need another body, you know, if Embiid misses time. But if that's going to lead to Paul Reed maybe not getting that spot, and then you're playing a, a veteran who may be older but worse overall, um, if you're giving them more of the minutes, I think it's a negative overall. So for right now, I'd kind of prefer to see the Sixers just roll with what they have. Yeah, I'm I'm in the consensus with you. Um, I was playing a little devil's advocate just to see what your thoughts were. But yeah, yeah if if they had the ability to bring in a veteran center and it would it would be like when they had Tony Bradley the one year and he would be like the third center where if somebody was sitting, you'd bring him in and you, you wouldn't feel like there'd be too much of a drop off then. Uh, then I'd be okay with it, but I feel like, yeah, just the, the danger of you bring somebody in, suddenly he's the backup center, Paul Reed rarely sees the court, you go into the playoffs and it's still the case. Um, you just have to avoid that situation at, at all costs. So um, that's, you, you just have to kind of 
tie Doc Rivers' hands and and not even give him the option to do it. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. that's the it, situation we're yeah. in. <laughs> it's silly that that has to be the case that you just have to stop Doc from choosing someone by just not signing them whatsoever. But yeah, it's kind of at that point, and I think Paul Reed is good enough to get. Yeah, he deserves the opportunity. I think. Absolutely. All right, so that'll wrap up our our listener question episode for today. Tom, thank you so much for joining me on the pod once again. Um, Always great catching up with you and talking hoops. Uh, Where can everybody find you online and your work? Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. It's been good. Um, Yeah, at Tom West NBA on Twitter. uh, And then you can find all my uh, work on libertyballers.com. All right, yeah. And Tom will have some some video breakdowns coming out in coming weeks um, that he does every year. So they're always great. So be sure to check those out. All right. I'm Sean Kennedy. I'm at Philly Fast Break on Twitter. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. And take care. More to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.